All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. Today, we are giving you the latest on the Falcons' pursuit of Deshaun Watson. They've met with him, and now we just wait for him to make his decision. We also discuss on today's episode whether or not the Falcons forgot to give Matt Ryan a heads up that they were pursuing Deshaun Watson. We'll talk about how the Falcons may be bringing in one of the top wide receivers available on the open market, as well as how the Falcons manage to let their Pro Bowl long snapper slip through their cracks. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at FalcFans.com, RIP. Still going strong on Twitter at FalcFans, writing weekly content for the Falcolic, the SB Nation website for the Atlanta Falcons, and, of course, the host of this preeminent Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I want to thank everyone that makes Locked On Falcons their first listen each and every day, Monday through Friday. And of course, Locked On Falcons is free and available on a variety of podcast platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Google, Spotify, as well as on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the Locked On Falcons YouTube channel and give us a like when you do. So today's episode is going to be more about the Ongoing Deshaun Watson saga, the Falcons did meet with Deshaun Watson officially on Wednesday. Uh, We're still sort of waiting on what comes of that meeting, but all signs indicate uh, that that meeting went particularly well. We know that the Texans uh, had a policy where they weren't letting any team meet with Watson unless they had already approved a trade offer. So we know that that was the case as well with the Falcons. So if you were still believing that, you know, this wasn't a real thing and the Falcons were just sort of pretending to be interested in Deshaun Watson, I think, you know, that belief has probably gone out the window. You know, there's been various reports. And again, we don't know how true these reports are that the Falcons reportedly had the best offer blew, you know, the doors off of everybody else's offer. Uh, We can certainly speculate what that means, but We know that the Texans are reportedly looking for five or six assets, which may or may not include three first round picks. We know that Watson met with the Falcons in Atlanta when all the other meetings with teams like the Panthers, the Saints and the Browns occurred in Houston. We know that Arthur Smith, Arthur Blank and Terry Fontenot were part of that meeting. Smith and Fontenot were absent from Georgia's pro day that was held on Wednesday. And that's the first time in a very long time that I can recall a Falcons head coach and general manager missing that event. Uh, Various reports suggested that the Falcons prepared an elaborate presentation, rolled out the red carpet, a lot of terms in that regard. And we know that this is something that Arthur Blank, going back to his earliest days as the owner of the Falcons, was something that he really specialized in because those first, I would say, like seven or eight off seasons when he was the owner of the team, the Falcons would sort of identify certain free agents. And like, this is the guy that we want to go out there and pursue. And the Falcons would almost always land that free agent because of Arthur Blank's ability to sort of wine and dine those guys. There, there was a, I remember one example with Rod Coleman way back in 2004, and I don't remember the exact details. And when I tried to Google search it, I couldn't find the exact details, but it was something along the lines of like, he came to Atlanta, they gave him like this big steak dinner, Arthur Blank really wined and dined uh, Rod Coleman's wife. And then like, he was about to get on the plane and basically due to Arthur Blank's, you know, 
I don't know, putting on the charm or whatever the case may be. Rod Coleman did not get on that plane to go to wherever his next visit was and wound up signing with Atlanta. And that was kind of the story uh, for many, many years where, you know, whether it was Rod Coleman or Michael Turner and, and several other guys, I think Warwick Dunn was also on that list as well, that basically would come visit Atlanta back in the days when you could, you know, were free agents were visiting teams. And Arthur Blank really specialized in that. And so it's interesting because the various reports are that initially that Watson would make a decision on Wednesday, that decision, at least as I'm recording this in the wee hours of Thursday morning, uh, has not been made. And so apparently he's now torn on that decision. Uh, And so you can kind of read into that somewhat because all the early reports this week were that the Saints were kind of the front runners, uh, the early favorite to land Deshaun Watson over some of these other teams like the Panthers and Browns. And now if he's so torn on it, that does that mean that the Falcons have sort of closed that gap? And now Deshaun Watson is willing to play for his hometown team. And so we'll just sort of have to see again, he could make that decision Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon, Thursday night, perhaps Friday, Saturday, whenever. So we we're just sort of in wait and see mode. And you know, the Falcons off season plans seemingly kind of hinge on whether or not they can nab Deshaun Watson and we'll just sort of see if they, you know, what they can do in the meantime, if they do anything so far, they haven't done much. Um, and, uh, you know, it's hard to look at the other aspect of this. We're, you know, we're all focused on Deshaun Watson, but what does this mean with Matt Ryan? And what's interesting that sort of emerged on Wednesday was that there were initial reports that the Falcons had informed Matt Ryan over the weekend that they were planning on pursuing Deshaun Watson. But then, you know, later on, Matt Ryan's sister jumped on Twitter and basically said that that report was wrong, right? It was Adam Schefter and Chris Mortensen that put out that initial report that Matt Ryan was informed over the weekend. And then there was a tweet on Tuesday from Matt Ryan's wife, Sarah, that was kind of tongue in cheek, but was kind of referring, was basically implying that she was caught off guard by the ESPN alert that she had on her phone about this whole Matt Deshaun Watson thing with the Falcons. So, you know, it, it does seem to indicate, and I tend to kind of believe it, that the Falcons were kind of, you know, a little slow to engage, you know, with Matt Ryan and, and, and sort of he was seemingly caught off guard by this. And, you know, again, I don't know this for a fact, and we'll just sort of have to wait and see if more information about this comes out. But, you know, I'm inclined to believe that he didn't find out about it until Tuesday. Uh, when everybody else found out about it rather than finding out about it on Friday or Saturday or, or Sunday or whatever the case may be. Because I imagine when all the other teams were sort of getting their ducks in a row on Friday to go pursue Deshaun Watson after the grand jury failed to indict him and all in all indicators of the Falcons were late to the party in that regard. So, and then, you know, Friday is also the day where the Falcons didn't and then did restructure Matt Ryan's. And if you were planning on going after Deshaun Watson, then you probably are not necessarily restructuring Matt Ryan at that point in time. At least you're going to wait a couple of days, right? Uh, before, you know, figuring that stuff out. Uh, if, you know, plan A is to go after Deshaun Watson. So it's all this sort of confused, you know, muddled mess right now. And so we'll just sort of have to see how it all plays out with the Falcons. Um, and, you know, we'll just, I guess we'll just have to see, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to say about it, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll move on from that, uh, and just sort of wait and see what happens with Deshaun Watson, what happens with Matt Ryan. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about how it does seem like there are 
indications that the team that does land Deshaun Watson could have the inside track for certain wide receivers like Allen Robinson or Will Fuller or perhaps even Jarvis Landry, who is now going to be visiting the Falcons, according to an ESPN report. And we'll talk about Jarvis Landry as well as this Falcons pursuit of one of the potential top wide receivers on the open market as we continue today's Locked on Falcons podcast. But of course, I'm going to plug what I think should be your second listen after you make Locked on Falcons your first listen. And why not go ahead and plug the Locked on Braves podcast or really no, let's let's play. Let's plug the Locked on Bulldogs podcast because Georgia just had their pro day. And so therefore, if you want to get the recap of all the things that happened at that pro day that Arthur Smith and, and Terry Fontenot weren't at, and I'm sure they'll be listening to Locked on Bulldogs to get the recap, uh, you know, or they'll I guess they'll give Dean Pease a call or whatever the case may be or. You know, I guess tele, Telegram team piece because he probably doesn't have a cell phone. That's an old joke if you weren't catching it. But uh, go check out the Lockdown Bulldogs podcast available on all the same podcast platforms you can find Lockdown Falcons, including on YouTube. So, guys, it is that time of year in college basketball's uh, big tournament is upon us. March Madness is here. And if you're looking for the latest odds, contests, and player props, betonline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting information. They have all the March Madness contests, including the quarter of a million dollar bracket contest. And the deadline to enter that is Thursday, as most of you are listening to this at noon. And if you enter in time, you can be one of hundreds of winners. And the top prize will earn $75,000 if you win that contest. But even if you miss that, even if you're listening to this Thursday afternoon and you're sitting here saying, dang it, I miss it. You can still now enter the $100,000 Sweet 16 Bracket Contest at BetOnline.net, and that's going to be open for the next week. And the winner of that, again, hundreds of winners can win that contest, and the winner of that earns $25,000. And it's not just college basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, uh, whether you're talking basketball, draft props, you know, hockey, golf, NBA, UFC, boxing, and even your favorite Vegas casino games. So head on over to the website today at betonline.net, betonline, where the game starts. So ESPN's Diana Rossini uh, reported on Wednesday that Jarvis Landry, the ex-Browns wide receiver, is set to visit the Falcons. The timing of that visit, we don't know quite yet. Is that Thursday, Friday, whenever, whatever the case may be. Landry was recently cut by the Browns. And I don't think, you know, I think most of you, listening or watching know who Jarvis Landry is. So, you know, the overview for those of you that are less familiar with him, uh, he's been one of the top slot receivers in the NFL for the last eight years, five-time pro bowler has averaged 86 catches for 950 yards and four and a half touchdowns across his eight seasons in the NFL has been one of the more reliable possession receivers and chain movers, but also, you know, at various points throughout his career has been a dynamic explosive uh, receiver, uh, and, and is not a guy that's just simply a, a slot receiver, uh, can also sort of be that go-to option, very good in contested catch situations, even if he isn't the most dynamic or explosive receiver uh, in, in the world in terms of taking the top off of a defense or anything like that. Um, but the the knock on Landry has always kind of been that whether it was Miami when he first started his NFL career or recently with Cleveland, Every team that has had them, while he's been very productive and often been the number one wide receiver in terms of his usage within that offense, in terms of targets and whatnot, all of those teams in Miami was 
adding guys like Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills, and in Cleveland, it was obviously going out there and getting his old college teammate at LSU and Odell Beckham. But all those teams seem to always look to add more dynamic, explosive outside wide receivers to potentially be the wide receiver one. And so the knock on Landry, if you can call it that, is that I think most NFL teams sort of see him more as ideally a number two wide receiver, even if he can produce like a number one, he, he doesn't necessarily bring that sort of traditional skill set that you're looking for in, in a traditional number one wide receiver, which is more the bigger outside threat that can sort of stretch defenses and all those various things. So that's not really Landry's game, but certainly in terms of moving the chains, and certainly he would be a major upgrade over what the Falcons currently have. And you can argue would be an upgrade over what the Falcons had a year ago, even if he may not necessarily have quite the skill set that Calvin Ridley does, at least in terms of being that guy that can win in contested cast situations that Ridley struggled with last year. Landry is a guy that is a better uh, option for that. So one wonders, you know, in addition to pursuing a player like Jarvis Landry, are the Falcons going to go out there and pursue that number one wide receiver? Are they going to pursue a guy like Will Fuller or Allen Robinson? Um, Two of the top remaining free agents out there on the market. And we'll just sort of have to see if, if those guys are tied to, to, you know, or waiting and seeing on what happens with Deshaun Watson and where he goes before making those decisions. Obviously, Will Fuller played with Watson in Houston and they had a, a great connection there. Uh, so that makes sense. And, and anybody who's been listening to this podcast for the last two weeks knows that Will Fuller is a guy that I've put on the on my radar for a potential Falcons target long before uh, the Watson stuff. If you go back to two Fridays ago when we did our first free agent Friday and I talked about some of the offensive players I would like to see the Falcons pursue, Will Fuller was on that list and sort of seeing him as sort of a cheap um you know, explosive playmaker that could be that number one wide receiver and potentially signing him to a a cheaper incentive laden deal or whatever the case may be to come to Atlanta and be that sort of go-to option for Matt Ryan, try to get the most bang for your buck Uh, and sort of a, you know, kind of a high risk, high reward type of signing given uh, Fuller's extensive injury history. So obviously you're not going to sit here and, and, and see me be like, Oh, going after someone like a Will Fuller is a bad move for the Falcons, given that I, two weeks ago I, I suggested it. But, you know, I, I look at Allen Robinson, and, and while I'm a huge fan of Allen Robinson, part of me sits here and goes like, is that the best strategy, particularly if you're going to have to pay what I think you're going to have to pay to get him? Because when we look at the deal signed by Mike Williams or Christian Kirk or Chris Godwin over the last week, one imagines that Allen Robinson's looking for $20 million a year uh, with his next contract. Kirk got 18 million a year. Williams and Godwin both signed for 20 million a year. So Allen Robinson, seemingly you would expect him to want a, a comparable amount of that. And, you know, while again, I'm a big fan of Allen Robinson, I don't quite understand why Falcon fans want to see the team go down that road because, you know, what's funny about it is that we just saw on Wednesday that Julio Jones got cut by the Titans as opposed to June one cut and now, you know, I saw on Twitter, everybody was like, ah, the Falcons won that trade. And, you know, I know I've expressed previously and re- will continue to express the controversial opinion that I don't know if the Falcons won that trade um, because we saw Matt Ryan have one of his least productive seasons, you know, arguably to a point where now the Falcons are dumping Matt Ryan. Uh, we saw this Falcons offense be as non-explosive as it's probably ever been in the last decade. Uh, and, and that was a major contributing factor to why this offense fell off of a cliff this past year and, and was without a doubt the worst offense that the Atlanta Falcons have had in, in the Matt Ryan 
Aaron in one of the worst offenses the Falcons have ever had, uh, at least going back the last 40 years, if you use metrics like Football Outsiders' uh, DVOA metrics. Um, but, you know, and I, I sit here and I look at it, and the reason why I say, like, did the Falcons win that trade? Because I'm, I'm looking at it and saying, like, oh, the Falcons have this massive Julio Jones-sized hole in the middle of their offense, and we just sort of ignore it and say, oh, we won that trade because Julio didn't do anything with the Texans, uh, Titans, I'm sorry, and we got a second-round pick out of it. And I just go, like, okay. And then we're going to sit here and drop $20 million a year on Allen Robinson after we just got rid of a $20 million wide receiver in Julio Jones. And we sat here and said, oh, we don't need to – you know, pay Calvin Ridley because he's going to cost too much and he's not worth $20 million or whatever the case may be. And so we're just sitting here. It's basically signing another Julio Jones, but he's, his name is Allen Robinson, not Julio Jones. And so I sit here and I go like, why did we trade Julio Jones? If we're just going to basically admit that we need a Julio Jones in this case named Allen Robinson to make this offense work. And so I wondered like, did we really win that trade? Because if we spend the next year or so chasing you know, a Julio Jones-esque replacement in the offense and use that draft pick that we got from Tennessee to basically draft the next Isaiah Oliver, um, which is, you know, the last time the Falcons had the 58th overall selection. You know, I'm I'm struggling to understand how the Falcons won that trade. And again, I know people are going to come at me and be like, oh, Aaron, you're just a hater. You're always so negative or whatever the case may be. But like, I just look back at the last decade and say, yeah, man, we had good quarterback play. We had great wide receivers. And what did it do for the Falcons, right? Um, you know, the issue the Falcons have dealt with over the last decade was not having, you know, a really good quarterback and, and really good weapons. It was the fact that they always got their butts kicked in the trenches, right? Like when we go back and look at the teams that have consistently controlled this division over the last decade, whether that was Carolina eight, nine years ago, uh, whether that's the Saints the last couple of years and now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And we look at some of the teams, you know, you go back a couple of years when the Falcons really struggled against teams like Philadelphia and Minnesota uh, for years and years. How did, why did the Falcons struggle against those teams? Was it because they didn't have a good enough quarterback? They didn't have enough, a good enough wide receiver or was it because those teams could win in the trenches and basically negate those issues? So while I'm not necessarily sitting here saying, oh, going out there and getting Deshaun Watson, going out there and signing Jarvis Landry or Allen Robinson or Will Fuller are bad moves, I just sit here and go like, we're just going back down the same road that we've been for the last decade, and that didn't work out. And again, I know people are going to quick to say like, hey, man, we went to the Super Bowl and we were up 28 to 3 and we should have won that Super Bowl. And I was like, yeah, that's the one time because we had a historically great offense, guys, with one of the best offensive minds in the NFL that facilitated that. And the you know, I don't, this is, you know, people going to come for me when, when I say this, but like, do you think Arthur Smith is Kyle Shanahan? Okay. <laughs> Kyle Shanahan's not walking through that door, as they say. So I, I sit here and I go like that. I don't see why that's a viable strategy. So, you know, please, you know, is there a red dot on my forehead? Please don't come for me for saying that. But I just, we're swapping out Ryan, Julio and Ridley for what Watson, Robinson and Landry. Like, okay. Again, we haven't made any of those moves, so uh, maybe I'm being prematurely negative uh, in some of your eyes, but I just sit here and I, I'm just basically giving you a heads up that if if those are the moves that we're making, I'm just going like, okay, like, I guess we're just running it back again. We're just going to do the same thing over, but it's going to be different this time because now we have a different quarterback and a different wide receiver. Okay, sure. Um, so, you know, you're not going to see me jumping for joy if, if the Falcons do wind up signing those guys. That's all I'm saying. I'm just going to give you a heads up. Uh, so we'll we'll see how that turns out. 
speaking of not jumping for joy, uh, the Falcons lost Josh Harris on Wednesday. And we'll wrap up today's Locked On Falcons talking about how the Falcons managed to let their Pro Bowl long snapper slip through their glass, grasp all the way to sign with the Los Angeles Chargers as the AFC West continues in their perpetual arms ways to win the Super Bowl. And we'll see if Josh Harris contributes to the Chargers and putting that team over the top. I think he's perfectly capable of doing that. Special teams matter. But we'll get into that as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. Uh, but, uh, you know, speaking of Josh Harris going to the Chargers, you know, a lot of moves happened on Wednesday. If you want to stay up to date on all the latest going on around the NFL, uh, of course, you might want to subscribe to the Locked On NFL podcast free and available on all the same podcast platforms that you can find Locked On Falcons, including on YouTube. So I want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. And if only there was a website that you could go to, uh, like Rock Auto, that you could go to and find all the right parts to fit your free agent budget and your free agent needs and, uh, you know, really rebuild your roster. Uh, but that part, that website doesn't exist for football teams, but it does exist for all the parts you need for your car and truck by heading over to rockauto.com. You can save time and money when using rock auto instead of spending up to twice as much for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership. Rock auto is a family business serving do it yourselfers for over 20 years with reliably low prices for every single customer. They have everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, long snappers, and even new carpet. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in the how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So we're wrapping up today's Locked On Falcons by talking about the departure of beloved long snapper Josh Harris, who signed a four-year, $5.6 million deal with almost $2 million in guaranteed money with the Los Angeles Chargers that now makes him the highest paid long snapper in the NFL, which is a well-deserved distinction for him coming off his first pro bowl season as PFF's top graded long snapper due to his ability to cover uh, the chargers needed an upgrade at that long snapper position. The the young long snapper they had a couple of years ago got hurt this past summer. They signed Matt Overton, sort of a journeyman long snapper that's kind of bouncing around the league the last couple of years. Uh, and so now presumably with Josh Harris willing to spend a little bit of money, uh, to, to solidify that spot. And so, you know, you compare what we kind of expected Josh Harris to sign for. We kind of expected when I was doing all my breakdowns and saying, okay, they'll probably wind up offering Josh Harris like a one-year veteran minimum contract. Maybe they guarantee a portion of his base salary in order to sweeten the pot or whatever the case may be and say, you know, basically as a reward to be like, good job, Josh Harris. Maybe it's like, I don't know, $200,000 or something in terms of his base salary being guaranteed which, you know, essentially functions somewhat as a signing bonus. But when you compare that to the deal that Josh Harris signed with the Chargers, uh, it, you know, it just kind of pales in comparison. Now, what his base salaries are for the four years of his contract are the veteran minimums. But the real difference is that $800,000 signing bonus that he has as part of that deal. Uh, and, um, and so, you know, the, the likelihood, you know, that he's getting a little bit more long-term security uh, with that signing bonus uh, compared to what probably what was a what one year offer that we're projecting and speculating that the Falcons likely offered. So the, the charges offer, even though it's not like they're paying him twice as much money or anything like that, they're just paying basically paying him $800,000 more over four years. So $200,000 a year, um, more than what the Falcons probably were offering. Uh, but you know, it, 
that does relatively speaking for a long snapper, it blows away the, the offer that probably the Falcons or really most teams were willing to make. So um, this, you know, certainly feels like the Falcons were kind of asleep at the wheel as they sort of await, you know, as their all season plans and strategies kind of grind to a halt as they, we sit here and await what happens with Deshaun Watson. And so this is just reason number 23, uh, why I'm not as thrilled about this whole, Deshaun Watson saga, but uh, we'll just sort of have to wait and see how the Falcons plug that hole, uh, whether they go out there and sign a veteran, whether they go out there and, and use a draft pick on a long snapper, whether they wait until undrafted free agency. That's how they found Josh Harris, you know, a decade ago. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm sure plenty of people are like, hey, you know, it's a big deal. It's not a long snapper. And it's like, you're right. It's not a big deal. It's not a problem until it's a problem. And then when that that snap snails over sails over your punter's head, then it becomes a problem. But uh, we'll just have to wait and see uh, if the Falcons can, can solve that fault problem, rectify that problem. And so wait and see is going to be the, the continued theme that you're going to hear on this podcast uh, until, you know, we're just going to wait and then we're going to see until we finally see. Uh, and that applies to Deshaun Watson and hit and whether or not he chooses Atlanta. That also applies to what the Falcons are going to wind up giving up if he does choose Atlanta for him. And we'll have to wait and see what happens with Matt Ryan. Um, and if that whole situation gets ugly, uh, even in a world where the Falcons don't trade for Deshaun Watson, cause it, it looks like it's going to get ugly. Uh, so we'll just have to see. And, you know, it's basically been what I've been saying for nine months. Like I'm waiting and seeing what this regime does in this off season that we're now in the midst of and see how it all plays out. And so far it's been interesting. Let's say that. Um, you know, it's just very interesting that the team, you know, two weeks ago at the combine, Terry Fontenot was like, we're not going to make any big splashes and we're going to be very patient. And then, you know, two weeks later, we're all in on Deshaun Watson. And so I, I just, that feels like such a left turn. That feels like such a weird place for the Falcons to be. And, you know, if, if Daniel Snyder and Jimmy Haslam was the owner of this team, it would be a perfectly normal place for this organization to be. But uh, it's just it's such an odd place. It just seems like such a hard left turn for an Arthur Blank led organization. And we'll just sort of have to see how it all plays out moving forward. So uh, as you know, we end this on not a happy note as, as I'm sure some of you are super excited and super energized uh, by the moves and, you know, we'll, we'll just sort of have to see how it all plays out, but uh, I am not in the same camp as you guys, because I'm still in that wait and see mode. So I apologize for that, but we will hopefully have some answers on tomorrow's Locked on Falcons podcast, which, you know, was planning on being a free agent Friday. So we'll, we'll see, you know, if it's a blockbuster trade Friday uh, is, is what will be on deck for us. And, you know, that Josh Kendall interview is just going to be <laughs> buried somewhere. I, you know, we'll have to do another one with Josh next week or something like that. So, uh, We'll just have to wait and see how that all plays out. So, guys, that's going to do it for us here on Locked on Falcons. Why not check out Locked on NFL Draft podcast for your second listen, uh, in addition to the local shows like Locked on Bulldogs, Locked on Braves, and Locked on Hawks uh, as your second listen after you made Locked on Falcons your first listen. And, of course, Locked on NFL Draft and those other shows are all free and available on all the same podcast platforms that you're listening to Locked on Falcons as well as watching on YouTube. So, guys, that's going to do it for us here. Till then.